Here's the lesson in front of us today on abounding grace. So let me remind us today that if you're in the wrong place with the wrong people, you will do the wrong thing at the wrong time. You go, Ed, I don't believe that. Where'd you get that from? I'm glad you asked. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. It just messes it. If you're with the wrong people, at the wrong place, you're going to do the wrong thing. And it's always at the wrong time. This is amazing grace. This is Backsliding. We're all vulnerable to it, and as Christians, we want to avoid it. But sometimes we don't even realize it's happening to us. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor identifies six steps to becoming a backslider. We looked at the first two yesterday. If you'll recall, they were being self-confident rather than relying on God and sleeping when we should be watching. So let's turn back to Luke chapter 22 and see what the remaining four are. This, of course, is where Simon Peter was backsliding and denied the Lord. Notice number three. Again, pick up with me in verse 47. While he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who is called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them, you want to guess who that is? You go ahead and write it. Circle the word one of them, or the phrase one of them, and write there, Simon Peter, the one the devil asked for, the self-confident one, the, the one that's sleeping when he should be watching. Here's the temptation. Man, where did Jesus tell him to take his sword out? Do you see that anywhere? I don't see that anywhere. And yet he's caught up where? In himself. I'll take care of this. You know what? He he doesn't even realize that by pulling out the sword, he's trying to prevent the will of God. He doesn't even realize it. (laughs) And the text tells us that instead of cutting off his head, he cut off his ear, which what? Tells us that Peter was a better fisherman than he was a swordsman. (laughs) And here's number three. Peter was emotionally controlled. He was emotionally charged instead of waiting on the Lord. Jesus did not give this direction. He did not tell Peter, defend me. Take out your sword and cut some heads off, boys. No, he's been telling him all along this is going to happen. And part of the humanity of Peter that made him so loyal, so dedicated, was that he was quick but also impulsive. And you know, there are some helpful parts of of being quick to decide and quick to obey. That's certainly a helpful part of a personality, but, but it can also be harmful. When you're quick and impulsive under the control of your emotions, a lot of bad, backslidden decisions have been made under the control of your emotions, 
and not the control of the Holy Spirit. Peter does it here. And what happens when you make a mistake like this is that it's harder, not easier, but it's harder when you make this emotionally charged mistake and you you take care it's harder to humble yourself and repent because now you've inflamed your pride and so one prideful step after one prideful step after one prideful step and backsliding can sometimes just start just like with this impulsive reaction out of emotion out of pain out of a zeal without knowledge Peter should have never drawn his sword. And imagine this. Don't miss this because Peter is literally, I think, within arm's distance of Jesus. He's right there in the garden, right there. I mean, he had to be very close to the guards that have come to arrest him. I mean, he's right there within an arm. He is so close to Jesus Christ physically and yet so distant spiritually. That's the danger. I mean, here you are. We all got our great church faces on. You're listening to the radio. You're, you're listening to Christian radio. You've surrounded yourself with Christian radio and music and see, and you're listening to the Bible so many different ways. And so outwardly, it seems like you're so close, but inwardly, you're so far away. And backsliding always, really, when it comes to backsliding, the heart of the matter with backsliding is always a matter of the heart. It's always a heart issue. That's what makes it difficult for everyone around you to see it so readily, sometimes even yourself. Walking away from God's commandments is going to cost you because backsliding always equals misery. Listen to this in Psalm 119, verse 30. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I've laid before me, and I cling to your testimonies. It's the only way you're going to get through it to cling to the Word of God and match what you hear with doing. Well, number four, I'm going to ask you to just jot it down. I'll read it to you. Number four in this list is found in Mark chapter 14, verse 48. Because remember, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all known as synoptic gospels. And what that means is we have three men writing about the life and times of Jesus that pretty much cover the same events from different perspectives different purposes. And John, the, the fourth gospel, the gospel of John, is a gospel that covers the life and times of Jesus but has a different purpose, so adds things that aren't found in the other gospels. And so here with Mark, he adds something in between here where he says in Mark chapter 14, let me read it to you, verse 48. Then Jesus answered and said to them, have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all forsook him and fled. Verse 50, very important. Here's number four. Peter ran away instead of pressing in. Peter ran away instead of pressing in. So, so here they are in the midst of this, the sword and everything, and, and as they're leading, he, the, the disciples, they all run away, including Peter. They don't run very far, and they don't stay away, but in the heat of the moment, they ran away. And the backslider is often found running away from God. Really just running with nowhere to go. God hasn't directed them to run. God hasn't told them to run. 
And so they're run, run, running, and they really don't have anywhere to go. There's really no destination for them. And it's not just running away in dramatic ways, but also in a lot of small ways. Running from God in small compromises. Running from God in small bad decisions. Running from God in, in our minds, in our actions. Going backwards, away from God. You know, in the Christian life, the longer you live with Jesus, the deeper the challenges are or the bigger they are. We often think the opposite. We think that the longer we walk with Jesus, the easier it should be, right? Because we got all this experience and we got, no, that's not how it works. The longer you walk and live for Jesus Christ, the deeper and the more difficult the challenges and tests will come. And I mean, Peter's facing the challenge of his life. And Jesus already predicted he's going to backslide, but he didn't receive it. Remember, Jesus said, when you return, well, what do you mean return? When you return from this episode in your life of denying me, (laughs) when you return, strengthen your brethren. But Peter didn't receive that. Imagine that. He didn't receive the truth from Jesus Christ. And even even though Peter was challenged and he runs away, he doesn't face this challenge by, by facing it head on in the strength of the Lord. He, he runs away. You know, the call in the Christian life is upward and onward. It's not taking lower ground, it's taking higher ground. And when you find yourself no longer desiring the higher calls of God, the deeper challenges, the stronger walk, the more victory, the, the strength that comes by obedience, you've got to watch out. It's a dangerous place. It's so critical that we make progress forward in the Lord. Here he is running away. And, and, and think of it, this is just a few hours of time. It can happen, these subtle changes can happen pretty rapidly in a person's life, or they can happen over time. But I mean, Peter, this is, he's so close and yet so far away. Number five, in Luke chapter 22, notice verse 54 now. Jesus has been arrested the disciples have fled. He's being led away to the high priest's house. And where do we find Peter in verse 54? He followed at a distance. And isn't that the case for the backslider? Following at a distance. I mean, there was one time when you were just there. You were just so hungry for the word of God. You were just so hungry to serve. You were just ready to go for it, jumping in with both feet. But now you're following at a distance. There's a lot of people like that today, following at a distance. And, and I would say it this way. Following at a distance could be described as, well, you know, I have a church life and I have a life outside of the church. Or as one commentator put it, I've got one foot in the church and the other foot in the world. And here's the problem with that. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You're either going to love the one or hate the other. And if you have a foot in the world, the world will overcome your faith. It will absolutely bombard you because the devil, remember we have a threefold enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the devil uses the world to inflame your flesh so you make bad decisions. And the world doesn't let up, the devil doesn't let up, and your flesh is hungry. It's hungry to be fed. And you live this life, well, you know, I've got the church life, hour and a half, and then the rest of the week I'm in in the world. And I don't mean living in the world because Jesus Christ wants us to live in the world. 
We're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. That's not what I'm referring to. We all eat, shop, work in this world. Why? Because Jesus has put us as salt and light. What I'm talking about is, is that you're living in the world, for the world, consumed by this world system and this culture and the ways of this world. You can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You won't make it. That's a backslidden position. It's not one moving forward. And you too will be described as following Jesus at a distance. You're not as close as you could be. You look back and there were other times in your life where you were sold out, committed to God, but not today. Other things, the cares and concerns of life, have taken your commitment. You see, wherever God has you, whatever God has you doing is intended to bring Him glory and honor, drawing people to a relationship with Him. And how careful we need to be. He's following at a distance. But notice verse 55, as we now come to our final one, number six. When they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Now Mark in Mark 14 tells us, Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. So here's number six. Peter warmed himself at the fires of the enemy. There's a much longer line I'm going to share with you, but Peter warned himself at the fires of the enemy. So, so let me remind us today that if you're in the wrong place with the wrong people, you will do the wrong thing at the wrong time. <laughs> if you are in the wrong place with the wrong people, you will do the wrong thing, and it's always at the wrong time. You go, Ed, I don't believe that. Where'd you get that from? I'm glad you asked. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Listen, just let it soak in. Jot it down and let it soak in. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. It just messes. If you're with the wrong people, at the wrong place, you're going to do the wrong thing. And it's always at the wrong time. And where is Peter? He's at a distance, warming himself at the enemy's fires. Peter's hanging around in the wrong place with the wrong influences. And we do understand, he is worn out. And he is beaten down. And he is weak and defeated. And in a very vulnerable place. Matthew actually tells us in his gospel that as he's watching the final moments of the life of his Savior, that he's hanging out with the guards to see the end. So he's with the servants here and with the guards over there, and he's just resigned himself to this is what his lot in life is. And we need to give thought, church, to who we spend the bulk of our time with. Well, we might think we're influencing them, but the real question is, are they influencing you away from Christ? Peter was with the wrong people, at the wrong place, at the wrong time, and what did he do? The wrong thing. We see it over and over again. How do you know? Well, notice verse 56. He's at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. Notice, 
certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him, but he denied, saying, woman, I do not know him. Strike one. And after a little while, another one, another saw him and said, you are also of them. And Peter said, man, I am not. Strike two. And after a little while, another saw him and said, or excuse me, verse 59, then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow was also with him, for he's a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. That's the rest of verse 60. I just played it out for you. And immediately while he was still speaking that fast, the rooster crowed. I want you to notice something here in verse 59. It says, and after about an hour, if you'd like to write in your Bibles, would you please write next to an hour the grace of God? Because in this hour, things could have changed. Now again, I understand the, the overarching plan of God because we know how it turned out because it's written for us, but Peter doesn't. Peter doesn't know how it's all going down. And this hour was an hour of grace. Some of you are living in the hour right now. You're involved in things you shouldn't be involved in. You're hanging out with the wrong people in the wrong places, just an hour away from doing the wrong thing. And you're in the hour. And you have misunderstood the grace of God. You think that the hour means that God approves. You think that the hour means that you're getting away with it. You think the hour is everything's fine. It's not that big a deal. And yet you know that the series of your life of where you're at right now has been a series of bad decisions. And you've falsely concluded that this hour of God's patience, of his loving grace, of his opportunity for you to make things right, for you to change the course of your life, to get away from those influences, to humble yourself, to turn it all around. You think think that just means God doesn't care, but he does care. And soon the hour will be over. The patience of God will be exhausted, and you'll find yourself sealing the deal with the final decision. How careful you need to be because we're all vulnerable to backsliding. Small ways, big ways, medium ways, it doesn't matter. Can you imagine the scene for Peter here for a moment? Can you just, ex- can you just imagine in your mind the emotion and the difficulty? This all happened in a few hours. So, so confident, so strong, And by the time the rooster crows a few hours later, you're a denier, Peter. Notice, he says in verse 61, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. From the original language with the New Testament, it was written in the Greek language. From the original language, the idea is not that just Jesus looked at him, but that he looked right through him. It's that kind of gaze. A gaze of conviction. Almost like a gaze of, Peter, what did you do? I warned you. It's a dramatic to think that Peter actually denied Jesus Christ not once, not twice, but three times. Matthew tells us that the third time that he denied Jesus, he started cussing and swearing. That's how far he was. There's no recorded instance of him cussing or swearing in all the three years he was with Jesus. You know why? Because when you're abiding in Jesus Christ, you don't cuss and you don't swear and you don't deny him. 
You serve Him and love Him and enjoy Him. You derive all of your strength and hope and joy from Him. But the backslider lives a miserable life, often only felt by themselves. The Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard, and it is. Self-confidence, sleeping, emotionally impulsive, running away, falling at a distance, warming himself with the fires of the enemy. It's a recipe for disaster for Peter and for us. And so here's my question. Are you a prodigal today? I know if I would have asked that question at the beginning, not many people would admit, but now you understand just a little bit more, just a little bit more, that backsliding is far more than church attendance. Because you might, are you guys a backslider today? And almost always the response will be, I'm in church, man. Backsliders don't go to church. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Now that we've learned a little bit more of what it means to backslide and have learned that it not only means just to go headlong into sin, but it also means starting to let go and go backwards. It means to fail to make progress. We realize that some of us actually might be in the process of backsliding today. We actually might be that prodigal, that wanderer, that backslider. And so let's say that's you. You really are falling away going backwards. You don't want to get good at backsliding. You don't want to be known by that. Even if you've slipped a, a, a little bit, you've lost some ground. How do you get right with God? I'm going to give you three words today, and next week we're going to have a, a full Bible study on how to come back, but you don't need a full Bible study. You can do it today, and I'll just give you three words. You need to remember from where you have fallen. Remember. Repent and repeat the first works. Remember, repent, and repeat. Isn't that what the prodigal son did? He's there sitting there and he starts to remember, you know what? I had a good life at dad's house. My servants have a better life right now with my dad than his own son. And he began to remember. And then repenting and returning almost happened at the same time. Because he got up and he went home. He went to his dad. His dad wasn't ready to punish him and discipline him. The Bible says actually his dad went out and ran after him and hugged him and embraced him and threw him a big party. And his son expresses his great grief over the decisions that he's made, over the wasteful life. That he, and he came back and instantly he was received right back into the home. You know why? Because prodigal sons, when they, when they run away, one thing that didn't change about that boy is he never stopped being his dad's son. Because sons and daughters are sons and daughters, no matter what their behavior is. As parents, we will love them until we meet Jesus face to face. That's the heart of God for you. Can you imagine the kind of love that you have for your kids, even when they're doing crazy things? You still love them. You still have hope for them. You still pray for them. You know, the heart of the Father is so much bigger than our heart. And He loves you. And so remember from where you have fallen. Repent and come home. The Father will embrace you and receive you. Because there's so much still yet to be done until the coming of Jesus Christ. And he's enlisting his church, you and me, 
to be in this world but not of it, making a difference for him. So if you're in a backslidden condition, the way back to the Lord is remember, repent, and repeat. As Pastor Ed Taylor said, we'll elaborate on that next time on Abounding Grace. Our message today identified the six steps to becoming a backslider. And if you missed any part, it's not too late to hear the study in its entirety. Either go to AboundingGraceRadio.com, listen to the program by podcast via Apple Podcasts, or you can hear us through our app. You can find us in the search bar under Calvary Church. Wouldn't you like to experience revival and power in your life? Well, we picked out an excellent book this month that can help you get on that road. It's The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian. This classic book has helped millions experience personal revival with Jesus Christ. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of The Calvary Road. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Glad you've taken time out for our study in Hebrews. Join Pastor Ed Taylor all week long as we continue to learn how to live by God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.